Good morning. I hope you had a great weekend. It's Monday, July 13th. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Mike Allen speaks to Roger Stone, who just had his sentence commuted by President Trump. Plus, how the coronavirus is disrupting meat consumption. But first, shortages of personal protective equipment is today's one big thing. Florida logged its biggest single-day total of coronavirus cases yesterday, a new record. Miami-Dade County is where most patients are hospitalized, and Mayor Carlos Jimenez said six hospitals were already at full capacity and the others aren't far behind. It won't be long, and, uh, and so we've had a sharp increase in the number of people going to the hospital. The uh, number of people are in I- ICU. We still have capacity, but it does cause me a lot of concern. In Houston, COVID-19 patients are being treated in emergency rooms because of a lack of hospital space there. There's also a problem with protective equipment, so much so that some nurses in Texas are protesting. The patients are asking me, where's my equipment? And I'm telling them that this is all we've been provided. Now there's growing concern that we didn't learn enough from the PPE shortages we faced in March and April because we're back in the same situation. Bob Herman covers healthcare business for Axios from Valparaiso, Indiana. We had this very bad outbreak in New York and New Jersey. We saw images of nurses wearing garbage bags as gowns. And I think the answer is we never really got better prepared. Here's the big picture. The American Medical Association recently wrote to both FEMA and Vice President Pence to urge them to help physicians in all settings get personal protective equipment. But an internal FEMA report released last month said that U.S. manufacturers can't even meet the growing demand for gowns. You know, the federal government has a role in this. They've manufactured more. They've stockpiled more. But it certainly appears that it's not enough. Here's how it's supposed to work. PPE purchases for hospitals usually happen through an intermediary called a group purchasing organization. That helps individual hospitals get medical supplies. But even that's not working. Part of the issue is even these group purchasing organizations, they can't buy enough of this stuff. The raw materials are low. They're getting price gouged. It's kind of a supply chain malfunction in in many different ways. And now there's distribution problems. Hospitals, and especially nursing homes, just aren't getting what they're requesting for. So there's still some kind of miscommunication and lack of coordination going on across federal government and more local governments. Over the weekend, former FDA commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb said he expects the virus in southern states, like Florida and Texas, to hit its apex in two to three weeks. But after that, he's expecting a plateau, not a flattened curve. So I think there's a definite concern that a plateau in one area certainly could just mean a rise in another area. And that means that we're still going to be in the same situation where we're not sure if we have enough of this personal protective equipment. And I think it gets even worse once we roll into the fall because the coronavirus is still going to exist. I think that's fair to say. But you're also going to have hospitals and nursing homes and doctor's offices battling the coronavirus and the next flu strain. So we're talking two terrible types of infectious diseases at once. And it certainly seems like we're not going to have enough PPE at that time either. And that's what very much concerns everyone in the industry. The bottom line is we haven't gotten the virus under control. And we still haven't figured out how to get essential supplies to frontline healthcare workers to keep them from getting sick. Bob Herman is a healthcare business reporter at Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds with a conversation between Mike Allen and Roger Stone. Welcome back to Axios Today. 
Axios Insider is a sneak peek into our newsroom. Today, we have a conversation straight from Mike Allen's phone. It's with Roger Stone, three days after President Trump commuted his prison sentence. Stone was convicted of lying to Congress, witness tampering, and obstructing a proceeding. Hello? Hey, it's Mike Allen. How certain were you this was going to happen? I had no promises. I had no assurances. But um, I had prayed fervently, as I told you, and I believed the whole matter was in God's hands and that God would provide. And he did. I saw you in the, we used the pictures of you and your personalized masks uh, outside uh, your home on Friday night. The president literally called your cell phone. What happened? That is correct. He called to tell me that he had just signed the papers committing my sentence. How'd he sound? He sounded upbeat. He was very kind. He was very gracious. Did he ask you for anything? No, not at all. Did you tell him that you were going to work for him? I did not. There was no political discussion. I thanked him. He asked me how my wife was. I told him. I asked him how the first lady was. He told me. That was, a, that was it. What are you going to do to work for or help for four more years of President Trump? Uh, I'm going to write and speak. And speak in what sense? Write about how I see the campaign. Write about uh, the issues in the campaign. I'm going to write and speak. Those masks are going to be collector's items. Well, I'll send one to you if you want one. I'm sure you'll want to sport it around the office. I'm sure it'll make them very popular. <laughs> you need to go. You were kind to take the time. All right. Have a good Thank weekend. You, sir. Thanks. Will the pandemic change what's in an all-American burger? It's better. Turns out these beef lovers love plants, too. That's an impossible offer? I'm a damn fool. Our shopping and eating habits around alternative meats have really changed in the past few months. Here it is by the numbers. Impossible Foods says its grocery store footprint has increased 18-fold since March, and it expects to see a 50-fold rise by the end of the year. Global per capita meat consumption is projected to fall to the lowest level in almost a decade, according to the United Nations. And the pandemic is a huge factor in all of this. Brian Walsh is our future correspondent. When the economy goes badly, people start to cut things out, and meat is something they'll often cut out, especially in other countries. But also, you know, in the United States and elsewhere, we saw real increases in meat prices because the pandemic itself had really messed up the supply chain for meat. It turned out that the making of meat, especially beef, I think, was particularly vulnerable to what a pandemic could do. You know, the, the disease spread particularly well in those meat processing plants. They got shut down. But Brian, alternative meats aren't necessarily cheaper. Why are we seeing that on the rise? Well, I think we're seeing the rise of alternative meats, for one thing, because they were more resilient than meat to the effects of the pandemic. Meat processing plants are really really densely packed with people, much more so than most manufacturing facilities. Beyond Meat, Impossible Burger, those kind of places, they're not on the same time scale as conventional meat. They can use ingredients that exist, ramp up, ramp down as needed. So while they are more expensive, that price difference really began to shrink. At the same time, I think you'd had people interested in trying this stuff out for other reasons, for health maybe, or for the environment, for animal cruelty, or just because it was kind of new and different. The fact these products are pretty processed and really meant to like replace meat, I think matters. Because look, I mean, if you wanted to eat less meat, there's lots of ways to do that. They're called vegetables. You could eat those. You can prepare them. I've heard that they're quite good. But the reason you're going to get a lot of Americans doing this is if you do something that resembles the meat products they love. And that's what we're really seeing now. The bottom line is there's several factors driving down our demand for meat. And this pandemic may make the shift away from meat permanent. Brian Walsh is our future correspondent.
Before we leave you for today, we've got a story about sharing that you're sure to share. Fridges with free food are the new little free libraries of New York City. We have almond milk, coconut milk, some beans, tomatoes, carrots, you name it. Volunteers organized the first community refrigerator in February for people in need. Now there are at least 15 across the city. The volunteers told New York Public Access Channel BronxNet it's not just about food. It's all about being considerate to others because we really care about that. We're a community, we're a family, so we hope that people continue to donate. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.